It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and can I stay on weather for a moment because uh, Met Aaron have upgraded their weather warning because there were fears of uh, there was fears of flooding in Cork uh, or there are fears of flooding here in Cork overnight. A status orange wind alert is in place across the county from 9pm with gusts of up to 110 kilometres per hour. Met Aaron is warning of coastal flooding tonight and tomorrow morning and a similar status yellow alert is in place across the rest of Munster from 9pm tonight until 9am tomorrow night so we are certainly in for a very windy night uh, tonight but also with that coastal flooding uh, there is a possibility of some flooding so people please beware and be careful and that's from 9pm tonight until 9am tomorrow morning. Welcome along to the programme. We've got John Paul back in taking your calls today at 1850 If there's anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Kevin has already been on to the programme. His TV has gone on the blink. Now, poor old Kevin lives alone so obviously the TV is his lifeline and he's contacted us this morning because he's wondering, does anybody do TV repairs in the Mallow area? And we were talking about this uh, back in the office. I, 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 I don't know. Do, do people get TVs repaired anymore? And, and I don't know Kevin's situation. I don't know if he can. He obviously can't afford to just go out and buy uh, a new TV. He needs to get his TV repaired. So let's put the shout out. Does anybody know of TV repairs in the Mallow area for Kevin? Let's see if we can get his TV sorted out ASAP, living on his own coming into Christmas he can't be without a TV we all know what it would be like the thought of being without a TV it would be tough enough if you were in a household with a lot of other people but to be in a household on your own we need to get this lifeline sorted for Kevin so can anybody help us with that please and as I say Kevin lives in the Mallow area 1850 if you give John Paul a buzz or if you text uh, to 0862103103 we can give you a call back on that let's see if we can help out Kevin and get his Uh, TV uh, sorted out. Now yesterday we were talking about the principal up in Clare Morris National School in County Mayo. The gentleman along with his board of management who had made the decision to close the school last Friday and this was due to the fact of the high number of COVID-19 cases in what is a pretty small rural school and 10% of the children and teachers in the school had COVID-19 and of course outside of that 10% then there will be close contacts 
in the school associated with the outbreak. So there was a lot of children and teachers either not in school or not. And just because there was so much COVID-19 in the area, this principal made the decision to close the school. And they said, look, we'll close early for Christmas. So message out to all of the parents. We'll close last Friday and we'll reopen in the new year after the Christmas holidays. And please God, everyone will be okay and stay safe and all of that. Well, the Department of Education got involved and they were raging. And they said to the principal, you can't do that. You can't make that decision yourself. You can only, that decision can only be made um, by public health and it's not up to individual schools to do it. And they said you have to open the school. So the school had to reopen yesterday and we mentioned that on the programme and people were, and I certainly was wondering, how, I wonder how many children will actually turn up for school yesterday uh, morning. And there was a number of people as well were in support of the principal, felt he did the right thing in making the decision to close the schools. Others yesterday felt he was wrong. He shouldn't have done that. He should have gone and got the public health advice. And if the public health doctors in the area told him to close, he should have waited until he got the nod. And people thought it was unfair on family members to suddenly get a text on a Friday to say the school is closing a week, a week and two days early for uh, Christmas. So there was a kind of a two-way. I think though the majority of people were very much in favour of what the principal actually did and thought it was the right move. Well, the principal is back in the papers uh, today and he is now actually considering his position as principal of this little national school. It has 125 pupils in the school. But I did find out how many pupils turned up. Out of the 125, seven students turned up for school uh, yesterday morning. Now, Mark Loftus, that's the principal, he's actually self-isolating himself because he was a close contact of one of the cases in the school. He said along with the board, they decided to close the school and they were switching to online learning. That's what they were doing. They weren't just saying we're extending the Christmas holidays. They were offering online uh, learning, but the Department of Education overruled it, were not, was not happy with the decision. But Mark Loftus, the principal now, has described the department's position as unfair. He's also sees it as insulting to him and to his board of management. He said it's difficult and he said I didn't make the decision on my own. He said, you know, they did a lot of soul searching. He consulted with the board and the board thought it was the right thing uh, to do. And now he's saying uh, he is thinking long and hard about quitting his position and he says it is a real possibility and more so now than ever. He said the person, he said that person doesn't realise people don't realise what it's like to be a teaching principal in a school that has coronavirus. He says you're on the phone to public health while trying to teach at the same time, also trying to keep the 30 odd pupils in your class that are sitting in front of you. You're trying to keep them safe and you're trying to keep them educated. He said it's probably something that I would have to do. This is considering he's position as principal. He said whether that means immediately or with a little bit of time. He said it's been exhausting and there is something perplexing about the whole situation. He said realistically all we wanted was just a simple and common sense approach to something and to be supported when we make that simple common sense approach. He said at the end of the day I have to weigh things up for my own health and my own well-being. Now there's 80, there was about 85 pupils out of the 125 were due to come into school yesterday but as I say only 7 showed up. The other 40 students were either obliged to stay at home because they've tested positive for COVID-19 
or they were deemed to be close contacts because obviously in a small school like that you're going to have siblings attended the school so if one child got COVID-19 everybody in the household would be close contacts including some of them being pupils at the school so there's about 40 wouldn't have been going into the class anyway but 85 were due to turn up as I say only 7 showed up Mr Loftus said parents had already began to withdraw their children from school before they made the announcement last uh, Friday and uh, throughout the weekend he has been receiving widespread support on social media a lot of people felt that this guy was right but as I say the Department of Education thought he was wrong but then the parents I think the fact that only 7 children ended up in the school yesterday. I think that's very much the parents saying that they are 100% backing this ma'am. As I say, we did mention it yesterday and I did promise I tried to find out how many, how many pupils turned, out, turned up. It was only seven. So I'm wondering if we had a case like that here in any of our own schools, if 10% of the school community between, now it was more pupils but there was some teachers came down with it as well but if 10% of your local school ended up with coronavirus, would you be supporting a principal and a board of management who would say close the school and opt for online learning instead or would you be with the Department of Education on this and saying no, it's not the pupils, it's not the, the principal, it's not the board of management, it's the local doctors, it's the public health doctors who should make the decision on whether to close the school or not and I'm also thinking how many of the parents listening this morning if you did know that there was that 10% of the population there was 12 children I think in the school had COVID-19 out of 125 so 10% if you knew that would you be with the parents who would have made the decision even before the school made the decision to say I'm leaving my son or daughter at home and of course what we all can never forget You don't know what's going on in individual households. You could have a family that could have a very medically vulnerable child, could have a very medically vulnerable adult, like grandparent. And we all know that families that are planning on gathering for Christmas this year and are planning on including granny and granddad around the kitchen table, many of those families are already limiting their social interactions and being very careful about where where they're going for the two. They're already into this two week lead into Christmas to make sure that when they open the door on Christmas Day and welcome in Granny and Granddad or anyone else that's medically vulnerable, everyone around that Christmas table can hand on heart say, well, I've been really careful over the last two weeks to make sure that that's not the Christmas present I'm giving to everybody in uh, this year by being COVID uh, positive. So I suppose for any of those families, if you knew in your school that 10% of the population had COVID-19, you would be, pardon the pun, but you would be avoiding it like the plague. So I certainly can understand why some of the parents last Friday, before the school even made the decision, decided to say, oh, we're not sending our children in. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed this morning and spreading the Christmas cheer with Stop the Cavalry and talk about spreading the Christmas cheer this year. Can I say a huge, huge Thank you to Evan from Burton's Euronics in Canturk. Uh, Evan was listening to me talking about poor old Kevin, uh, an elderly man living on his own. And the, of all times, the TV has gone on the blink and he got on to us to see, do we know of anyone in the Mallow area who could come to his house and take a look at it and repair it for him? Because he says the TV is his lifeline. And we were putting the call out to see, do we know of anyone repairing TVs? And thank you, by the way, to a number of people who suggested a 
gentleman in Butterfield who they reckoned would travel to Mallow I passed on telephone numbers and everything. He does aerials, but they, people believe that he does TV repairs as well, as well. And we were about to get on to that gentleman to see could he help out our Kevin. And lo and behold, Evan and the gang from Burton's Euronics in Cantork got on to us and say, look, no problem. We'll sort him out with a brand new TV for Christmas. Isn't that such a wonderful, kind act to do at Christmas? It is fantastic. So... We're passing Kevin's details on to Evan from Burton's Euronics in Cantork and he will be sorted out with a brand new TV that he won't have to worry about because it won't go on the blink over Christmas. And uh, Kevin, we wish you many, many years of happy viewing on your brand new TV. And we made contact with Kevin and he's absolutely thrilled and, and delighted and uh, wants to say a huge, huge thank you to everyone at Burton's Euronics. That's a kind, kind thing uh, to do. And isn't that one of the reasons why I'm always saying to people, support your local local businesses. They are the businesses that will help out and will jump in in time of need. When there's a need, when there's a local uh, need, it's not going to be an electronics company in America or in China or in England that will be offering a free TV to our Kevin. It's a local business and it's all the more reason why we need to shop local uh, this year. So thank you to uh, Evan who was on the phone straight away when he heard me put out the call for uh, Kevin. We really do appreciate it. Now, can anybody offer this as advice here we're looking for to one of our our listeners help please my dad who is 84 sent off by post to renew his driver's license six weeks ago he said no correspondence from them since now I've sent a few emails but I just keep getting an automated reply that an agent will be in touch guess what no agent has been in touch. I rang the 076 phone number on the NDLS website yesterday. As soon as I got through, I was told there was 34 in the queue to speak to an agent before me, but I wished it patiently as I didn't know how else I was going to be able to contact them. They keep telling you after each call how many is before you. So I waited and I waited all the way down to your next in line to speak with an agent. And then guess what? Beep, beep. The line went dead and I got cut off. Oh, I was on the phone for over an hour. I know it's a very busy time for the NDLS centres, but but does anybody know how else I can get in contact with them? The frustration you must have been tearing your hair out. Now, can I say firstly, I would imagine the problem with the driving licence arriving to your dad, I imagine it's probably got to do with on post. And I don't in any way want to knock on post because the postal staff are just working flat out. I can't even begin to imagine how swamped the people in the sorting centres are. But everybody is noticing there are delays with parcels, there's delayed, there's delays with cards, with letters and obviously with the posting out of driver's licence. So it is very possibly that your dad's driving licence is somewhere stuck in the post. But I know your dad is probably anxious, you know, at 84, six weeks, feels it's a long time. Where's his driving licence? I wouldn't be panicked though for him because if you stop by the Gardaí, he'll, sh- he'll have the receipt to say that it's, you know, it's gone off to the NDLS. So, I mean, the guards have been very understanding about what's happening at the moment with delays with people getting their driving licence. But I imagine that that's what's going on. It's just stuck in the post. And I know even from my own point of view, I posted 
a bunch of, I think there was about 20 or 30 cards last Saturday week. The English, the ones for overseas were gone, the ones to England, the ones to America, to Australia, to mainland Europe, and all them well gone in the post. But the ones just for Ireland, I put in the post last Saturday week. And it is bizarre the way the cards are arriving. It's just incredible because I'm being contacted by people. I know you don't normally contact somebody when you get a Christmas card, but there's a little, there's a small little thing inside in the Christmas card. It's a little thing that Marsha made that I send out to family members and and to loved ones. So people are contacting me to say they got it and blah, 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 whatever. So that's how I know the cards have started to arrive. They have literally, as I say, they all went in the post box at the same time last Saturday week. And the first, I'd say, started to arrive on the Wednesday I think that was the first contact I got up to yesterday one of my sisters contacted me to say Mike the card arrived yesterday I have another sister she hasn't seen hers at all I have a sister-in-law hers hasn't arrived yet the mother-in-law has arrived to the same address one arrived and one didn't so it's just really bizarre the way some posts when you put it all in together you think it would all get sorted at the same time but obviously it's not so there are certainly delays with posts we're all waiting on items to come through the post so it could it could be that but in the meantime your dad is probably anxious that he hears something from the NDLS does anybody have any other way of that that contacted the NDLS in recent weeks other than by email and getting an alternate response we've tried this gentleman has tried that and now the 076 number to have been on the phone for an hour your call is next and then for the line to go dead oh I'd have been beside myself, beside myself. 1850-333-103. If anyone can offer advice to that uh, gentleman, please text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. And thank you to a number of people reacting to delays with driving licence when I mentioned the gentleman who was trying to get through uh, yesterday and on the phone for an hour and just when they said his call was next the phone got disconnected. Noreen says I was about six and a half weeks waiting for my driver's licence. I ended up getting a text to my phone telling me it had been pro- processed and that it would be with you in five days and in fairness it did arrive uh, but there are certainly delays at the moment and someone else says hi Trish I sent I, try, I sent my re- renewal for my driver's licence two months ago yesterday I got a text saying my li- my licence is on the way so tell that gentleman to please be patient and that could tie in with the what we did yesterday with the RSA about people with a UK driver's licence telling them to go forward that they have until the 31st of December to transfer it over to an Irish uh, licence so the NDLS at the moment could be swamped and that's putting pressure then on them doing all of the driving licence so a bit of patience I suppose uh, is what is needed at this stage so thank you to people pointing that out to us 1850 Now the Minister for Health has been asked to allow nursing home residents choose a loved one to be included in the COVID-19 vaccination programme when it rolls out please God at the start of January the suggestion was put forward by Tyg Daly of Nursing Home Ireland who joins me to explain uh, more. Good morning to you Tyg. Good morning Patricia. Now just explain your rationale and your thinking behind why you believe this is necessary. Yeah well look I mean obviously the, the news on the vaccine is, is very very positive and we understand the plan is going to government today but I suppose what we've seen over the last number of months as you know uh, the restrictions on visiting have been particularly challenging for people who have family members in nursing homes. Now, obviously, they've been eased somewhat for Christmas, but our view is that um, to ensure safe visiting, 
that if, if each resident of a nursing home was in a position to nominate one person to receive the vaccine, then, you know, it would ensure that we could get back to some relative normality uh, as soon as possible, such as, I suppose, to, to kind of phrase, it was a vaccine body, if you like, uh, that we were proposing. And um, uh, we still haven't heard formally one way or the other whether that's being considered. I suppose there is, uh, there's not unlimited vaccines, and we understand that, uh, but clearly those in the nursing home sector have, uh, as we all know, borne uh, the brunt, if you like, of, of uh, COVID-19 this year. So what we were looking at was, I suppose, creative ways of ensuring that we can, as I say, get back to some... Uh, yeah, because I suppose it's important to point out that the vaccine on its own won't allow nursing home residents get back to normal visiting schedules. Uh, well, I suppose we, we still... Uh, I mean, I heard the Minister speaking last week himself about the transmissibility of the virus, even with the vaccine. So I suppose what we were trying to do was uh, create a safe environment for everybody, for, for residents, uh, for staff and for, and for visitors. Um, and... You know, the, the vaccine and the vaccination program is going to take a number of months, as I understand it. You know, it could be September, October next year. So what we were trying to do, I suppose, was um, ensure, as I say, that uh, we would prioritise those in nursing homes, which has been agreed, and that's very, very welcome. Uh, and the priority is for residents and staff. But we felt by taking it one step more uh, in terms of, of visitors or nominated um, a visitor for each resident that would, you know, I suppose would, would be a, a positive step, as you say, yeah. and would make sense. It would also mean in terms of scheduling. So as we understand it now, the, the vaccine is going to be administered in the nursing home. Um, so it, it would make sense in terms of scheduling that visitors could maybe come on the day uh, and be vaccinated at the same time as their family member and as the staff. So uh, we're waiting now at this stage, I suppose, to see uh, the, the detail in, in the implementation plan. But that's, I, I'm assuming you would, that's very important that the vaccine would come to the residents rather than the residents having to go to a, a central hub to get the vaccine. Yeah, we, and we understand that's the plan at the minute. Uh, I haven't seen the plan uh, and I think it's it, uh, it had cabinet this morning. But yes, I mean, in reality, given the, the age profile and given the dependency of, of, of our, our residents, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate. So we're encouraged by what we hear that it would be administered on site, as it were, within within the nursing home. So that's that's very positive. So okay, and the, and, and they, the residents are to be the first, along with the staff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, long term, but those in residential, long term residential care uh, were announced on I think last last Tuesday, the the eighth of of December, as being uh, one of the first priorities on on the list. So that's as I said, very very welcome. Now, what we're waiting on is, is the, the whole implementation plan around that. And obviously, we have to wait as well until such time as the, the vaccine is approved by the European Medicines Agency, because once that happens, then that will, I suppose, uh, kick off, if you like, a series of, of actions uh, that will allow us then to mobilise uh, and be prepared for, hopefully, uh, very early in January. But we uh, need to be ready to go. Don't I? I mean, as soon as the, we get the go-ahead yeah. from the EMA, I mean, the country needs to be ready. Yeah, and to be fair, I was speaking with the HSE during the week uh, in, in terms of, I suppose, the implementation plan. Like, the, you know, the, you know, your listeners are really aware there's, there's huge logistical issues around uh, the vaccine in terms of storage, in terms of, of transport, in terms of security, I hear, as well, is an issue. So, um, and indeed, registering for the vaccine. So there's quite a bit of infrastructure to be built around it in a very short space of time. So we'll be working very closely with the HSE and with government to ensure that it can be rolled out, um, you know, swiftly and, 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 and safely, obviously, to, to residents and staff. Will it be mandatory for nursing home staff to get the vaccination? 
Not that I'm aware of, no, at this point in time. I mean, the flu vaccine isn't, isn't mandatory. Uh, and to the best of my knowledge, the the um, the COVID-19 vaccine won't be mandatory at this point in time. That's, that's, that's the information I have anyway. So. Is there a high take-up of the flu vaccine among staff, do you know? Yeah, it's increased over the years, to be fair. And ourselves, uh, working with HSE again, uh, you know, have have run campaigns to ensure. So I know this year in some facilities it was up on 100%. Uh, the average is probably something north of 70% across the country. So that's a, a very, very high take-up um, of, of, the, of the flu vaccine. Within In residents, it would be close to 100%, as I understand it. Yeah. Uh, with, with staff, it would be north, north of 70%. And I'd be confident as well. I mean, there's a, there's a significant information campaign that needs to be run by government, obviously, around the whole vaccine. Uh, and the rollout, uh, and people need to understand, uh, you know, the information leaflets and, and the campaign will be significant for all of society, not just for, for mm. nursing homes, obviously. And they're so, talking about that in fairness. The government are talking about that. Yeah, look, you know, every year, obviously, the flu vaccine is, is campaign is run every year. Um, I mean, clearly, you know, COVID has, has had a huge impact on all of society. And I think, you know, the public at large are very, very excited, I suppose, at some level um, and encouraged by the fact that the, the vaccine uh, has now arrived so early, uh, like we've seen in the UK where it's being administered already. In Scotland yesterday, the first vaccines were administered to residents in, in care homes in Scotland uh, and, and across the UK in the last number of days. So um, what we're waiting on now, as I say, is, is the green light and, and hopefully early January we'll be in a position to um, confirm the detail in, in terms of our own nursing homes, which would be okay. a, a positive, positive for everybody. Absolutely. And Tyga, are you hearing how visits are going since nursing homes once again were allowing people to visit? Yeah, no, the feedback has been very, very positive. Good. Absolutely, yeah. We're really getting some, some great feedback and some lovely pictures. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it has been heart, heartbreaking for all of us in the sector. So it's very, very positive to see visits now being back. Look, it is still very much controlled and scheduled, obviously. Um, but hopefully now with... with uh, with the vaccine coming, we'll hopefully get back into some normality. So um, it's important that people will still, you know, maintain social distancing and, and listen to the public health messages because, you know, the vaccine hasn't hasn't gone, or the, uh, the virus rather hasn't gone away. So, But no, the, the feedback from members is very, very positive across the country and from families as well. So, Are some uh, are some nursing homes having difficulties facilitating visits? Yeah, d- 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 yes. I mean, in short, yes, unfortunately, I suppose, you know, what we've got to do here is we've still got to make sure that we we, we, you know, safety and uh, safety of both residents and staff is, is number one. Um, so, you know, large numbers coming through any facility now is not appropriate at this point in time. Um, I mean, last week, the uh, government announced, uh, you know, some additional funding, you know, for development of pods, for example, or, or you know, secure, warm outdoor area, you know, outdoor areas as well. So, look, the sector has been innovative and creative, both public, private and voluntary, in terms of ensuring visits and, and um uh, it, you know, as I said, the feedback to date has been hugely, hugely positive. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, listen, Tyg, once again, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Tyg Daly of uh, Nursing Homes Ireland, 1850 There was a text in, it was the first text in this morning saying, Hi Patricia, I'm just wondering about domiciliary care allowance. I thought I heard you mention uh, this year people receiving the domiciliary care allowance would be getting the Christmas bonus. I'm not sure if I misheard you or not. Thanking you. That is from 
Louise. And yes, Louise, I can confirm uh, that the Domiciliary Care Allowance are receiving a Christmas bonus uh, this year. The Christmas bonus for the weekly payments of people on welfare who's entitled to the Christmas bonus was paid out last week. The Domiciliary Care Allowance, it's um, open to correction, but I think it's the last of the Christmas bonus to be paid out. And it actually, because the Domiciliary Care Allowance gets paid monthly and it gets paid today the 15th of December so the bonus the Christmas bonus is included in today's payment for anybody receiving a domiciliary care allowance uh, they are also getting the Christmas bonus 1850-333-103 John Paul is taking your call text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see McCroomMotors.com Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Hi, this is Nick, and I play those greatest hits you love, like Chaka Khan. We're Castling. And Prince. Richards on C103. Weekdays from 1 with Cork County Council. Discover the sparkle on your doorstep by celebrating a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie. C103. Now, according to the friendly call Cork service, many elderly people have been comes, have come so used to cocooning that they're no longer leaving their homes. Brenda Barry is the coordinator of the friendly call service whose army of volunteers ring many hundreds of people every day. And uh, Brenda joins me. Good morning to you, Brenda. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Brenda, well, you're very welcome. In the first lockdown, elderly people were told to stay at home and that's where the term cocooning came from. Um, But that's not the advice since then. They are allowed to, not allowed is probably the wrong word, but they're now being encouraged to go out, but to be careful. But you're hearing differently. Yes, um, we find a lot of clients that, that haven't left their houses since marriage because they're just petrified, they're afraid. And also they're gone out of the habit, you know, that it, it, it's beginning to become a stress to leave their houses. Now, it's not it's not a huge number, but it is a number, and it's people who who used to be very active. But the first, the first period of lockdown, I suppose, created some new habits for people, you know, where they are getting less exercise. They're, you know, probably not doing their own shopping. Other people are doing that for them, you know. Um, and there's an awful lot of independence gone, really, for, for other people, you know. It's very difficult. And, and they are worried about um, picking up the coronavirus, you know, they're, and they're worried about, you know, being in enclosed spaces or going to shops and stuff like that. But we are trying to encourage the people, you know, you know, to, to definitely to get out and about, but to be careful, um, to wear your face mask, to sanitise, you know, um, and maintain social distance. But do try and get out for a bit of fresh air, yeah. which is really important. And, and are a they, bit of physical is... exercise. Is there a danger, Brenda, that they some some of these people will become very reclusive because of this? Yes. Now, look, families are, are very good. Like some people would have families that, that would be, you know, supporting the person or neighbours or whatever and ourselves as well. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not the way it should be really. Sure, it's not. I mean, people should be feel free to, to go out. It's just, I suppose, with the first lockdown and... Obviously, the advice is different this time, but I suppose people are still fearful and, and it's hard to blame them, you know. Mm, mm. Uh, and especially when you say these are people who were active, who were out and yes, about, who were very who independent. Now, 
every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, God help them. Or, God help them. It just know, it becomes a habit. To, yeah, even going to day centres like that's such a huge loss for people. Or even other social groups, or bingo, or anything like that. All those things are gone, you know. And they were their safe social events, but um, very tough, you know. And there's nothing really to replace them yet. To encourage people to go out that is safe, you know. When we're working on loads of different things, like about getting people more active, even within their own homes, and to support to support people to be more active in their homes. But it's not the same as obviously, you know meeting people, you know, on a regular basis. The day centres is certainly we hear a lot about yeah. here on the programme. They're hugely missed. Yeah. Uh, followed uh, very closely by the bingo. You, We yeah. forget the role yeah. that bingo yeah. played in people's lives. And other groups and stuff. Even, you know, people would be doing yoga, pilates, mindfulness, you know, art groups, craft groups, knitting. You know, everything is, is, is gone, you know. So it's... Uh, it's hard. It's hard. And the, for the, for those for those that are remaining indoors, uh, Brenda, the danger of lack of exercise. You want to really highlight that? Yeah. Well, we just I have noticed like amongst our clients that people are having more frequent falls at home. You know what I mean? And it is definitely people are not getting as much exercise, even if it was the one day a week that they went to town and did the shopping and whatever. That's not happening. So, look, people are kind of stiffening up. So, we're, we're like, we're on the phone. We're ringing about 360 people every day. And we are encouraging people to try and get a bit of exercise, to get a bit of fresh air, you know, and, and just to, to maintain social distance and be careful. But do try and get out, you know, because otherwise people will seize up, you know. Yeah, know. I've seen I've seen a woman who's out every day uh, walking around a green area. I mean, she's literally doing uh, laps of this green yeah, area. But cool. but at least she's yeah. getting out every day, and and, yeah. and and she's doing she's doing her exercise. Have you seen an increase in the number of people you call every day, Brenda? Oh yeah, hugely. Yeah. Um, I suppose at the beginning of March we were probably ringing about two hundred people every day, and our volunteers were coming up to our centre, you know, in in Churchfield to make the calls, but. Obviously, since COVID, you know, everybody's working remotely. So um, at the moment, we're ringing 360. So that's, a, that's like an increase of 140 on what we have. And we have about 60 plus volunteers. You know, people are coming and going as well, you know, and they might do a couple of months and then come back. But some people are on phone every day. Well done. Well done. People, people are fantastic. Uh, and do you just well. chat or can you help people with any difficulties they may be having? Yeah, no, we're, we're, we, we, we're, you know, we're linked with a lot of different agencies, you know. Obviously, we're part of Cork City Partnership, so we would have, you know, a maintenance team if, you know, there were small things we needed doing, you know, like even, like, change a light bulb or change a lock or, you know, fix a fence or something. Things that, that you know, are very small, but they're very big when you don't when you don't have the know-how or, or you're not able to do it. Um, we would be, you know, good to refer people to Meals and Meals where needed and we'd be linking in with the HSE community work departments and obviously a lot of our referrals from clients to us would come from public health nurses or from discharge coordinators in hospitals or even community guards or whatever. So we're, you know, we're all the time working with all the different agencies, you know, with the councils, you know, if there's maintenance issues, we can contact the council and stuff. So there's a nice bit of linking going on between all the agencies, you know, to make things... I suppose a bit easier for people, you know, like at a woman now last week and she moved house, you know, she moved to a new council house and she needed to change the address for her medical card, which, you know, is a real typical thing to do now. Mm. And I was able to do it online for well her, done. you know what I mean? Well done. Simple thing, well you done. know, but, but that brilliant. could be a real 
factor for somebody, you know. So, what about, uh, yeah. we heard from a, a caller last week who is feeling very pressurised to attend a large family gathering at Christmas and she's nervous about it. She she lives on her own. Now she is out and about, she's doing her shopping, but she said she's being really careful. She shops very early in the morning when there's nobody around and, yeah, you know, yeah. she's li- she doesn't allow people into her house. She hasn't been visiting any, anyone. And she said suddenly yeah. now her family are expecting her to go on Christmas Day she doesn't want to go and she doesn't want to insult them either and she's in a real dilemma with it. Yeah. Look, if, if people aren't comfortable leaving truly, I mean, it's, it's just not going to be worth it for the too stressful. I just said, that's the problem people have. And look, she sounds like she, she has a good grasp. She's out going out doing her shopping and stuff like that. So, look, I mean, if she should ask him to drop over to dinner, wouldn't yeah. that be grand? You know but is that, is that what you would say to people? Is You know, yeah, well, look, you, you, you know they're still independent. Yeah. People, I mean, you can make up your own mind as well, you know, and, and maybe it would be better for you to be with people. But if you feel it's not safe, really, you know, I suppose, you know, each person to make up their own mind. I mean, families, I'm sure, don't want to put anybody at risk either. So um, it might be taken, you know, the guidelines but um, when they have somebody in their house. But look, I mean, it, it's up to each individual. And that's what we'd also say, you know, that some of this COVID has taken a little bit of independence away from people and, you know, they're still able to make up their own minds. Really, and you, you know? need to respect somebody's yeah, decision. Yeah, I mean, somebody does want to stay at home. And we have a lot of people who, this year, I think, you know, they might have gone to friends in the past or neighbours or stuff. And I don't think that's going to happen as much this year because maybe the client mightn't feel comfortable going to someone else's house yeah. or the neighbour mightn't feel comfortable having somebody into the house because, you know, that's good, you know, that anybody should pick it up from something like that, you know, about unintentionally or whatever. So I think a lot of people will be, a lot more people will be on their own this Christmas. And it would be lovely if, you know, we could, like, try and organise for, if, you know, if you were aware somebody was on their own, that you could pass in a Christmas dinner. Drop a dinner over, like absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, will you, will your you. volunteers work over Christmas, Brenda? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be ringing people Christmas Day. Anybody will you? Christmas Day will get a call there. And look, we're going to split it up, so, um, you know, but we will. We'll be making calls all over Christmas and uh, into the new year, which will be a tough time as well for a lot of people, you know, so we'll, we'll be there. We'll be You're a great gang. You're a great bunch. Listen, long may uh, you continue, uh, Brenda. And thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today. No bother. Thanks. Good Brenda. morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Brenda Barry of the Friendly Call Cork service and uh, well done to all of the volunteers who uh, ring those ring people who just need a little, little bit of company a little bit of how are you doing or just to know somebody's going to call you uh, and they do it every single day including Christmas Day which is remarkable on behalf of the volunteers 1850 that's our number if you want to talk to our John Paul feel free to give us a call you can text or WhatsApp 0862 we're going to take a break uh, we've news at 11 coming up in the next hour we'll go through some of your calls and comments coming into the programme but we're also going to speak with the Irish Dental Association there is a problem that some people are having accessing a local dentist. If you're on a medical cart, we'll find out more after 11. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Some of your thoughts coming in on the headmaster in Clare Morris Boys National School, this gentleman, Mark Loftus, who made the call to close the school last Friday because of the number of COVID-19 cases. And then the Department of Education got involved and says, forget it. They overruled the decision and the director that the school must reopen. So they had to reopen yesterday. And out of a 125 pupils, of which 85 should have been in school yesterday, only seven little ones turned up. And I don't know how many are in the school uh, today and there's kind of people are, are with this principal and others are against him some say he made the right decision others said he made the wrong decision as the Department of Education pointed out it isn't individual boards of management and principals who make these decisions it has to be local public health doctors who will direct a school whether they are to close uh, or not some of your thoughts in on this the headmaster and the board of management at that school in Clare Morris were dead right the government were not looking out for the children or the teachers when they told them to reopen the school a yesterday. Then we have Micheál Martin saying we must be careful, we must stay two metres away from people. I feel the government are giving mixed messages when they didn't allow this school to remain closed. Somebody else says, Patricia this is Margaret, the principal was wrong. Sorry to say, he does sound like a lovely man. He also sounds like he's struggling. I mean, yeah, he has come out and said he's actually now considering his position because he feels as he's in one of those small schools where he is a teaching principal. So he's on the phone to public Public health. He's trying to teach at the same time. He's a class of 30, trying to keep everyone safe, trying to educate them and also trying to find out from public health what he, what he needs to be doing. He's actually considering his position as a principal. Anyway, uh, Margaret thinks he was wrong. He made the wrong uh, decision. And somebody else is uh, agreeing as well, saying the principal and the board of management should not have closed the school. That isn't a decision of the schools themselves. They have to rely on uh, public health. Then, talking of relying on public health and listening to the government and listening to Neffet I wonder how people are feeling about anyone who's going to make the journey from the UK and come home for Christmas and even though they do decide to travel they will need to self-isolate for the 14 days they'll probably use the private testing when they come and if anyone arrives from overseas, if they take a private test after five days and if they get a negative result, they don't have to limit their restrictions. But of course the news coming out of the UK at the moment is quite worrying and that has prompted a listener to say Morning Patricia, after reading and hearing how quickly this new strain of coronavirus has spread so rapidly in the London area and the South East area of England and how quickly similar mutations spread in Spain I feel it is now only reasonable at this stage, especially with people planning to come home for Christmas, to stop all flights from from England, not the United Kingdom, but from England, arriving into this country. God knows they're being awkward enough with Brexit, but we hardly want to import their virus now as well, do we? Also, this joke of a quarantine won't work here as people really don't follow it. And it's not like other countries where they have to adhere to it, where they have very strict quarantine, where you're taken from a plane and you're placed into a hotel and there's security in the hotel. You're not allowed out for the two weeks. They have very strict quarantine we don't in this country. We are relying on people. And we don't ask people to quarantine. We just ask people to limit their restrictions. That's what we ask them to do. But it's in this listener is right. It's an individual uh, choice. Uh, and the news is, you know, a lot of the papers are picking up on this this morning that we here in Ireland, we are at risk of being struck by this new strain of COVID-19, which seemingly spreads much more rapidly, the way it's mutated, it spreads much more rapidly and there is a fear now that if that happens it will drive 
Christmas and New Year surge in infections. Labs around the country have been placed on high alert to look out for this new strain. After it emerged, there's been a rise in cases that Texter is right. It's the southeast area of London and the southeast area of London is home to so many Irish emigrants, some don't know how many, but some of whom will be travelling here for Christmas. A senior government source is quoted in the papers as saying increasing travel restrictions for passengers travelling from Britain were not being considered at this stage, but the situation, they say, has been monitored very closely. Now, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer Roland Glynn said news of this new strain coming out of the UK, which doesn't appear to be more virulent, was relayed through a rapid text system yesterday. He said it's too early to say if it has already arrived in this country, but he said he could not give any false confidence at this point that it would not impact on the effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccines. And then Professor Kingston Mills, he's with the School of Biochemistry and Immunology in Trinity. He says he has no data on this reported new strain yet, but if it transpires to be correct, it will become the more dominant strain here. And while it mightn't be more virulent, it seems to be that this particular new strain spreads much more rapidly than the coronavirus we're battling with at the moment. And he said that's the real bad news because it means it's easier for people to contract this particular strain uh, of it. The Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan again repeating that all non-essential travel into and out of the country should be postponed. And he said that, of course, obviously does include to and from uh, Britain. And of course, yesterday we had 264 new cases, sadly two more uh, deaths, but the number was down on the Sunday figure that shocked all of us at 429 but then traditionally Monday the numbers are always lower and then they normally go up again on a Tuesday and Wednesday so we're going to have to wait and see what today's uh, figures are. The five day average that's also continuing to rise it's at 312 per 100,000 and the 14 day incident is is falling but it's fa- falling at a slower rate than it had been falling over the last uh, couple of weeks so again Tony Houlihan going on about minimising the amount of interactions that we will have with people and you need to select the things you're going to do and you need to choose the things and make sure anything that you're choosing that what you're doing is only for essential uh, reasons. He says it is critical to plan ahead to minimise risk of picking up the infection if anybody's meeting with older people or particularly those who have underlying health uh, conditions. And our hospital numbers are at 215 which is slight rise on recent days, 33 in intensive care and that was a rise on two on the since the weekend. And then looking at the breakdown of the figures yesterday, we always like to know what's going on here in uh, Cork. Cork didn't get mentioned in the headline figures, which uh, meant they were part of the 92 cases spread across 16 uh, counties. There was 10 in Cork yesterday out of that 264 uh, number. But people are starting to get a little bit worried now about what's going on in the UK because the UK themselves, even though they've started the rollout of the vaccine, but they're starting to get worried about this new strain because for whatever reason, this new strain, it's much more easier to pick this up. And, you know, this is where we're in Ireland. And if we don't have the strain at the moment, let's try and keep it off the island. But if we have and we will have a proportion of people coming home for Christmas. Nobody is deliberately going to get get on a plane with knowing they have the virus. But the problem is there will be people who will get on planes 
who don't know that they're carrying the virus and will then bring it home with them and that will bring the strain onto our island of Ireland. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And just, there was a text in about driving licence. Trish, just listening to your comments on driving licence. I have a UK licence and I don't know what happens after the 31st of December. I heard you talk about it. Can I still renew my licence here for an Irish licence without taking another driving test? I'm 62. Don't drive very much now, but I'm wondering in these bad times what I need to do. Can you tell me please? Yeah, you need to swap your UK licence for an Irish licence. No, you don't need to take another driving test, but you need to contact the NDLS centre and they will if you go on NDLS online they'll, you'll be able to see what, what you need to do but it literally is a swap you need to swap out your UK licence for an Irish driver's licence you need to do it by the 31st because if you are driving after the 31st of December because of Brexit and the transition period ends and regardless of if there's an agreement or there's not an agreement on the 1st of January it will be illegal for you it will mean if you drive after the 1st of January and you only have a UK licence it means you're driving illegally you're driving without a licence that's recognised in this country and the bigger implication for it besides you could get yourself into trouble with the Gardaí the bigger implication is that your insurance will be invalid because you're driving without you're deemed to be driving without a driving licence so there are huge implications on this one and as we mentioned when we did our interview yesterday about this they reckon about 13,000 UK driving licence holders still have not swapped it for an Irish driving licence. About 57,000 people have heard the message and went away and did it but there were a cohort of people who like this listener and we've done so many interviews on it and no matter how many interviews you do there will always be people who just won't hear it at the time or don't get the message or don't understand what's going on but to that listener yes you have to exchange your UK driving licence for an Irish one and you need to get working on it. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. C103 Jobs HGV Mechanic it's required for country clean recycling there in the Ballygown area just outside of Mallow they're also looking for a general operative for truck washing full-time healthcare assistant is required for Maria Goretti nursing home that's in Kilmallock Fetech level 5 please in care of the elderly essential Ballincolly coaches they're looking for a bus driver full and part-time it's for school transport contract and ingredient solutions which are in Boherbui are looking for a junior office administrator you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see mccroommotors.com now, in recent weeks, we've seen an increase in calls from listeners saying they're having problems accessing a dentist that will see pro- patients under the medical card scheme. Fintan Harahan is Chief Executive of the Irish Dental Association and he joins me to explain what is going on. Good morning to you, Fintan. Good morning, Patricia. Now, why are so many dentists leaving the government-funded dental treatment services scheme? Well, I suppose this is a matter for each dentist individually to make. It's it's not part of any group um, coming together. But I think it, it essentially reflects the frustration dentists uh, have experienced. And I think the whole COVID experience has been, a, has been a tipping point for them in that 
the the, the concerns and the, the flaws in the scheme we have articulated over many years and I think dentists took the view that you know it was it was always a difficult scheme to operate but the complete lack of interest or support from the government uh, during the early days and throughout uh, as regards the pandemic and how dentists could continue to provide care to medical card patients was really um I suppose they got they got to a stage where a large number said that they couldn't afford to continue to to continue with the scheme, and it's not something that they, that they want to do. This they would rather be in the scheme, but it's not viable, and it's 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 not a satisfactory scheme in terms of the operation of and how the HSC sets uh, restrictions on the operation of the scheme. And the COVID restrictions, how have they increased costs to dentists? Uh, I think that the very obvious ways are, first of all, they've obviously had to buy additional equipment um, to ensure that that not only are they safe environments, but they're actually even safer than, than normal. And the other consequence is that because of the extra precautions they take uh, in the surgery to make sure it is, it is um, a, a safe place, it means that appointments, um, that there's more preparatory time before and after each visit and they see less patients so that means that they're seeing less income coming into the practice so you know it's a combination of of, of a number of different things but it, it is certainly true to say most dentists would say that their costs have, have risen by an appreciable amount and where you have something like the medical card scheme which has you know no provision for that no support given as regards the additional cost and, and, and the fees are probably half of what dentists would charge privately. It's, it's really an economic consideration, I think, for dentists that, that they can't afford to continue uh, with this scheme. Now, I think it's probably important to explain to listeners, you know, what their entitlements are. So everybody who is eligible for a medical card is entitled to dental care. Now, the HSE is the organisation which is there to ensure that they get their entitlements and what they do is they uh, issue contracts which dentists sign up. So if you're attending your dentist and you're, uh, conti- you're in the middle of a treatment plan while he or she is giving three months' notice to resign or if you have an appointment during that period, they will honour that. If, however, you, know, you go to your dentist and you haven't been to your dentist for a while um, and they're in the process of leaving the scheme, then they will simply explain that that's the case, they'll say, look, if you want uh, dental care provided, the HSE will arrange another dentist for you. Obviously, if uh, if they want to see their dentist and agree to see them privately, then they can do so. But if they want uh, then to go to another dentist within the scheme, then they should contact the HSE. But dentists will honour their uh, existing appointments or complete their treatment plan with patients if they're in the process of resigning from the scheme. And, and the how figures, many how many are resigning and have resigned, Fintan? Yeah, well, we, we would uh, see that since the end of last year, about 300 dentists have resigned, which is about one in six or one, nearly one in five dentists. Have That's, a lot. The That's a lot. That's a lot. Because like we're, we're, we're hearing from some listeners saying they can't find a dentist who will take them on. Yeah, and I've had phone calls from members of the public and stations like yourself contact us and inquire what's going on. So there are certainly parts of the country where 
if if a few dentists leave in the area, then people are having to travel further. We know that they're contacting their TDs and the questions are being asked in the dogs. So this is one of those things where it mightn't be as obvious, but we see and hear more and more cases of, you know, where patients are discovering that they have to travel further. So, you know, what's required, and we've met the Minister for Health, what's required is the replacement of the existing scheme and the introduction of the scheme, which is actually works for patients as well as dentists and indeed the state. And is it true that the scheme dates back to the mid-90s? Yes, it was first uh, introduced in 1994 and it hasn't changed. Now, dentistry has changed an awful lot since 1994, but this scheme hasn't changed. And, you know, as recently as 2008, which is a dozen years ago at this stage, this, the, the government came and said we need to um, change the scheme and we were involved in discussions and then they withdrew from those discussions and they've never come back. So, you know, it is very outdated at this stage. It's over a quarter of a century old and it badly needs to be replaced. And is it is the simple solution pay the dentist more per patient visit? I mean, is, is it as simple as that? No, I think I think an entirely new scheme uh, needs to be introduced. I think there are all sorts of problems in terms of the operation of the scheme, on the restrictions that are there. There ultimately, you know, what everybody wants is a system which allows access to dental care for everybody and for those who uh, find it more expensive or find it more difficult to meet the, the cost of treatment. There are a number of different ways of mitigating that cost, and we believe that a new approach. Uh, is required. There are lots of options in terms of whether there's vouchers made available to patients or whether there's a reimbursement to patients. Uh, it's not. I we don't believe that simply tweaking with the existing scheme, even if it meant increasing fees, would actually address the underlying problem. And uh, no disrespect to your industry, but nobody likes the dentist. But people build up relationships with their dentist, and it it isn't the easiest thing to say. Oh, I'll just go to another dentist. Well. You know, everybody has a very personal relationship with their dentist and, and all the evidence shows that people, when they find a dentist they're happy with, want to stay with their yeah. dentist. Yeah. And, you know, that's perfectly understandable. And dentists clearly want to see the same patients because they can offer better care and treatment if they're seeing them regularly and if they're seeing, you know, consistently that they're seeing those, those patients. So, yeah, there is a need to find a scheme which allows people to choose their dentist and that was always the value of of the scheme as it was arranged that people had a choice to go to any dentist who was participating in the scheme but if dentists are leaving the scheme then the obvious consequence is patients don't have that choice anymore. Okay, a listener says, uh, how does a person with a medical card get a wisdom uh, tooth out? If there, isn't, uh, if there isn't a dentist locally taking on medical card patients, uh, Fintan, what, what advice do you give to somebody? Well, I, I would say to somebody that there is a local HSE office in every part of the country. So, um, you know, whether it's in Mallow, whether it's in Cork City, or depends on where, where the person is, is calling from, but they should contact their local HSE office and they should be given information on which dentists are participating in the scheme locally. The HSE has a website which lists all of the participating dentists. Um, as regards specific treatments, some treatments can be provided under the medical care scheme. It's a very limited scheme now because of cutbacks. Um, so I suppose the best advice I'd give that person is to contact their local HSE office. 
Okay, and I mean, do you worry long term about the nation's oral health if this doesn't get sorted out? Oh no, absolutely. I mean, this is something we've been warning for years that, uh, that there's there's a particular need to look at the medical card scheme because, unfortunately, very often the people who um, are entitled to care under the medical card scheme are the ones who are most in need of early and regular uh, attendance with the dentist. So, absolutely. I mean, if if the consequence of this is that people's oral health is declining or that they're actually then presenting to hospitals, you know, when, when far more um, significant remedial work is required, then that clearly doesn't make any sense from a health point of view or even from an economic point of view. Liz in Kinsale said when she went to her dentist and the dentist was explaining why they were opting out of the scheme, the reason they were given, uh, the reason she was given was that the HSC would not supply them with PPE gear. Did any of your members get PPE gear from the HSC? No, and uh, as far back as the 4th of June, the then Minister for Health, Simon Harris, wrote to me as Chief Executive of the Irish Dental Association and said it would be made available within seven days. And over 700 dentists had uh, 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 sought uh, PPE from the HSE at the procurement office in Cork. And that's still not uh, being delivered. And it's something we have raised with the new Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, and I think it was another contributory factor for lots of dentists. They said, look, that's the final straw. Uh, a promise was made and six months on, it still hasn't been delivered. What does that say about the interest the Department of Health has in uh, supporting dental practices and their patients? So that was something that annoyed a large number of dentists and may well have been the final insult as far as many of them were concerned. And your fear as we head into a new year, uh, Fintan, will we, will, will we see more dentists quit the scheme, do you think? Well, I think that there's an obvious pattern. There's a trend there um, unless something is done urgently. And we have met the new minister in the last fortnight. Uh, we've impressed on him for the need for, for uh, an urgent intervention on this. He says that oral health needs to have a higher priority with the Department of Health. We're waiting to have a further meeting with him. So I suppose I would be hopeful that we might see some progress early in the new year, but clearly, you know, the longer that nothing is done and, and that this issue is ignored, then uh, the more damage is going to be done and, and, you know, the more and more dentists are going to leave the scheme. OK, we leave it there, uh, Fintan, an issue and over we return to. Thank you for that, though, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good morning to you, Fintan Howard, who is the Chief Executive of the Irish Dental Association with that huge problem that we now have with dentists, with the numbers leaving the government funded scheme, which means private, when you normally went to a private dentist on your medical card and were covered, you'll be turned away at the door and told the dentists uh, are not all, but some of them are deciding to opt out of that scheme. Uh, Patricia, the easy thing for dentists to do is this texture is to bow out of the medical card scheme. The right thing for them to do would be to lobby their local TDs. In fairness, Fintan Howard, on behalf of dentists, they've been lobbying, they've been all the way to the Minister, but anyway, uh, that's the fairest thing to do, to lobby, to, to support the most vulnerable in society, the very people who've been supporting them for years. My friend's child and every medical card child are discharged from the HSC dentist clinic when they leave sixth class and then they won't be covered with their medical card at a private dentist until they reach the age of 16. I was not aware of that. That seems... 
so what do they do from the age of 12 until the age of 16? That certainly doesn't make any sense uh, at all. But as Fintan said, if you are, and we have been hearing from people, including that listener who's on, who needs a wisdom tooth uh, removed, get onto your local HSE, wherever, whatever part of the city, your county you're in, explain what's going on, particularly if you're one of those who you, you've been with a dentist who's now opted out of this scheme and explain what's going on and, and see, will they nominate uh, a dentist or will they take you into the uh, the dental hospital? 1850-333-103. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. And I want to spend some time just taking a look at some locally produced uh, books that are on sale locally. Now, we get swamped by books, as you can imagine, uh, all year round, but particularly in the lead up to Christmas. And we can't get around to doing interviews on all of them, but we like to try to spend time just giving a bit of mention to some of particularly the locally produced books because people go to great efforts to produce their own books. So I've got three in front of me today that I want to talk about. The first of which is The Way We Were and Other Poems. And it's just a little book of poetry produced by Jerry Cronin with proceeds going to the Mallow Daycare Centre and the local society of St Vincent Paul in Mallow. And it's a book of if you're into, it's exactly what it says in the tin it's a book of uh, poetry and as uh, Jerry writes in the book the proverbs and the sayings are mostly words of wisdom that resonate with me I've included a few other poems besides my own that Jerry says he identifies with and as he says he's decided it's on sale locally in the I imagine in the general Mallow area uh, priced at 10 euro but the good news is that the proceeds are being donated to Mallow Daycare Centre and the Society of Vincent de Paul so if you are a poetry fan then you will love that The Way We Were and Other Poems by Jerry Cronin and this is a delightful book this is Catherine's Old Time Recipe Book and this is a book that was put together by let me get all of the information out in front of me so I can get it all right by uh, have I Catherine's surname somewhere I know I know I do but basically it's a book of what she decided to do was she decided to put together a book of recipes from her childhood things that she remembers baking with her mother but also things that she remembers learning about in school and she, like in the introduction when she's thanking people like she starts by thanking her mother who was probably the very first p- person to teach her how to cook and uh, to bake but she goes on to thank people like uh, Sister Angela in the National School in Dunmanway she says where I was taught some of the amazing recipes that I still use today and third she wants to remember Sister Anne nicknamed Gunners <laughs> who was in the secondary school in Domlanway and there's probably a load of people listening who know exactly who Gunners remembers a Gunners and Catherine says in her book uh, she learned m- much more advanced cooking when she went on to the secondary school so it's a book basically that Catherine has put together herself and it's got all of the old Catherine Ross Murphy thank you uh, John Paul uh, who now lives in, in McCroom but obviously grew up in Domlanway but it's it's a book that has all of the things that we would have baked as children and some people will still be to this day baking but as I was flicking through it I was thinking God I remember doing that and I haven't done that in years you know things like apple crumble for example and when I was looking at the apple crumble recipe it is the exact same apple crumble recipe 
that I would have learned from my mother and you know something I haven't made it in years and I looked at it and said you know I think that's something that I might decide to make over Christmas it has things like uh, no fuss tea brack it's got bread and butter pudding it's got a carrot cake in there the breads you have to look at the breads the white soda bread and the brown soda bread then chocolate caramel squares uh, cheesecake buns basic queen cakes you know all of the recipes that we grew up with and I just think it is lovely to have it put in this little book that can be passed on because the fear is that we might lose a lot of these uh, recipes and for the time that's in it the Christmas mincemeat rather than buying the jar of mincemeat for the mince pies Catherine has included the recipe uh, in it and gorgeous picture of festive mince pies that I can almost smell but it's lovely it's just a small little book that she put together she's also donating the proceeds and she's giving the proceeds to the Society of Vincent de Paul in uh, McCroom and and She's pro- half, half of the proceeds of the book. Sorry, half the proceeds of the books will be donated to Vincent de Paul uh, in McCroom. And it's on sale locally. She's got it on sale in a number of places. Super value in McCroom, Matt Murphy's Chemist, uh, the Computech in McCroom, Healy's Spa in Clondrahad, and Lynch, Lynch's Bakery in McCroom, and BU Hair Salon also in uh, Clondrahad. So good luck with that. It's It really is lovely. And I think it would be a nice one if you have children and you want to do the bit of baking with the children. It's a nice little book because it's got all of the basic recipes in it. And then a book that a huge, huge amount of effort has been put into. And we were talking about this book earlier on in the year because we've been contacted by Castle Magna Community Development Association to tell us they were putting this book together. And it is a book called When I Was About knee high and it's a book of memories and they've got the wonderful Mihal and Mera Hurtik to actually write the foreword in the book and he explains in the book that one of the unavoidable effects of the public health measures was the to increase the risk of isolation amongst the old and very vulnerable members of our society so the Castle Magner Community Development Association obviously were very much aware of the increased isolation. So they were inspired into action. So what they decided to do was they decided to ask elderly people in the community to write down recollections of their youth and then to submit the memories of days gone by and then the response received was absolutely magnificent and all the submissions found their way into this wonderful book that has now been printed and there's beautiful photographs in the books as well and it's stories from all local people you know people I'm looking some people have put their age down one person 82 and a half another lady is 88 somebody else is 70 somebody else is 75 plus uh, years Uh, most people put their names but some have written anonymously some wrote lengthy pieces some wrote very small pieces like uh, Carmel writes uh, what she uh, and she headed a darkness into light she said a nice memory from my father-in-law now RIP was when he recalled them putting up a turbine and generating electricity when there was no ESB this would have been before rural electrification they had all the neighbours coming to hear games like the All-Ireland Final from Croke Park or a big boxing match from America were names like Jack Ennell Sullivan and Jack Dempsey drew huge crowds. And below that, uh, Peg McAuliffe, an 80-year-old woman, says a little tale. Uh, she said, I always remember when I... Not, this, I always remember when I was about nine, nine years old, visiting Bridgie Murphy's house in Marybrook. I used to play there with a little boy named Dinky. I remember taking four-year-old Dinky by the hand to Kilbrin. 
we were sent off to buy a glass of whiskey at the pub for Bridgie and bring it home to her. What a tall tale it would be nowadays to send two young children on a stroll on their own to the pub to collect alcohol. Oh, how times have changed. And nobody thought anything about nine-year-old Peg taking little four-year-old Dinky by the hand and walking into Kilbrin to buy a glass of whiskey for Bridget. And anyway, it's story after story like that. It's delightful. It really is uh, gorgeous. And it is now in print, published by Castle Magna Community Development Association and on sale locally there and we wish them good luck uh, with that. Jim listening to me, uh, reading out one of the little stories from the book uh, When I Was About Knee High, the book of memories that has been produced by the Castle Magna Community Development Association and the story of the woman who is now 90 and she remembers when she was 9 or now 80 sorry Peg I put an extra 10 years on you there Uh, she's now 80 so you're talking 70 odd years ago when she was 9 taking a little boy a little 4 year old by the hand and going down to buy a glass of whiskey for an elderly lady stroll to the pub and then walk back on their own with the little with the little shot of whiskey and handed it to the lady and she she just you know said how times have uh, changed you'd never see it being done now Jim says yeah times might have changed but some people are going to the pub now and bringing home drinks as takeaways due to the virus. It sounds like a great book with very interesting stories. Yeah, it's absolutely uh, delightful. And someone else says, sorry Patricia, could you please call out the names of the books? They sound quite interesting. The first is a book of poetry, The Way We Are and Other Poems. That's by Jerry Cronin. That's on sale in Mallow. When I Was About Knee High is the book of memories from Castle Magna Community Development Association. I don't have a list of where they're on sale but I'm assuming in the general Castle Magna area you'll be able to get that. And then Catherine's old time recipe book is on sale in a number of places throughout McCroom and uh, Clondrahad. They're just locally produced uh, books and uh, it's, uh, I, I love I love to read, I love to find the time to read is the problem but to give the gift of books I think is a great thing and it ties in very nicely with our buy local and shop local. If you can buy anything that's locally produced it is even better. Keep a lookout actually if you are out shopping for Christmas and you still haven't got everybody's Christmas present uh, yet. There seems to be a lot of arts and crafts beautifully produced arts and crafts and a lot of it is you know it's wherever you're living it's on sale locally and it's usually a local producer that's making it so if you can help out because a lot of those arts and crafts people missed out on the fairs that would have been on the craft fairs that would have been on during the year and they've really struggled and many of them to, to keep their own sanity kept producing all these great crafts so they have abundance of the crafts for sale so do keep a look out for them if you can wherever you are I think it's a, it's a lovely thing is to buy something that has been uh, locally produced and talking of trying to support local. The tea rooms have reopened in Donneray Park. We've had a call in about that this morning and they would appreciate if anybody's visiting the park your support would be much appreciated because the park has remained has remained opened uh, but the tea rooms have been closed but they, they're now reopened so if, you, if you're if you going out for your walk in beautiful Donneray Park you might consider stopping and having a cup of tea and a cup of coffee and some of the gorgeous food that they produce there. And Ger was on to tell us he found a tailboard trailer uh, it was lost. He found it between Clash Bridge and uh, Newmarket and Jura is looking after it. So has anybody lost a tailboard of a trailer and were you on the Clash Bridge to Newmarket? If so, we have Jura's contact details. And I know that somebody was on to us earlier 
to say that they they had a car uh, stolen. It was, um, and I know, where's that message gone? This was a breather in Charleville. Her car was stolen from the driveway of her house oh my god in Harrison's place in Charleville and she's asking people to please keep a look out for it it's a, Nish, a Nissan Qashqai grey in colour uh, 11D 44843 is the registration if anybody has spotted that Nissan Qashqai grey in colour uh, 11D 44843 unfortunately stolen from Breda Anne's driveway god imagine waking up to that this morning in Harrison's place in Charleville and the Gardaí obviously have been notified ok we're going to take a break we have news at 12 midday on the way after 12. Uh, Joe Heffernan is going to join us to talk about co-parenting at Christmas. If you're separated and you've got children, how the, the do's and the don'ts, the right and the wrong way to do it and making it all about the children. We'll also take a look at your cause and comments for coming into the programme all morning. That's all after news at 12. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I mentioned Donnerell Park and that the little tea rooms have uh, reopened and they're looking for your support if you're going out for a walk to Donnerell Park. Margaret said I was in Donnerell Park on Saturday. I had a lovely coffee there. Yeah, and there's something lovely about going for a walk and popping into a coffee shop, isn't it? And you're supporting local as well. And that's what it's all about. A big reaction to the local books that I mentioned, the locally produced books that I mentioned. Thank you to somebody who said the Castle Magner book is available in the Canturk bookshop in Canturk because I, I didn't know where it was on sale. And I'm assuming anywhere around Canturk. Magna, you'll be able to get it as well, but the Canturk Bookshop, thank you for that. And the massive reaction to Catherine's little cookbook, Catherine's Old Time Recipe Book, as it's called. This is um, produced by Catherine Ross Murphy and it is on sale throughout McCroom and Clondrahad in various places. And lots of people asking, how much is Catherine's uh, cookery book? She has it on sale, priced at 10 uh, euro. And Greta in Crookstown was on to say, I worked with Catherine and GI in um, McCroom and I'm not one bit surprised to hear that she's do- donating half the proceeds to St Vincent de Paul she was always such a generous person she actually trained me in GI in McCroom and she looked after me so well she's such a caring and a kind person and Gretchen said that she'd like to take the opportunity to wish Catherine the very best of luck with her book and then a number of people saying hi Patricia I just came in on the tail end of that cookery book and it sounds delightful if you're not in the McCroom Clondrothed area do you know if I, if there, you could buy it online uh, can you give us the name of the book Catherine's Old Time Recipe Book it's what it's called and then a couple of other people around said love to buy that cookery book is it available online it, like no it isn't available online because it, this uh, Catherine's book she's producing herself it's a little it's a homemade book she's actually produced it with photographs in herself printing it herself folding it putting it together so it's a really, really locally produced book. I mean, it hasn't gone to any printers. They're actually printing it up themselves. It's it's terrific. Uh, it's priced at uh, ten euro. But because we've got such a reaction and people loving the idea of the old time recipes, and that's what it is. It's all about food that we grew up with and food that our mothers and grandmothers and the nuns. For me, it was the nuns in the Loretta Convent in Clonmel did their very best to try to teach me how to cook rock buns. Do you remember making rock buns and literally you? could have 
they could have been thrown at somebody like a rock. My rock bums certainly were were so were so hard. But anyway, the nuns did their very best. But it's all of those. It's those kind of recipes from your childhood. And but gorgeous, wholesome food and warming food and food that just is delicious, absolutely delicious, uh, even today. But it's a lot of the recipes have have been forgotten about, and particularly the recipes that we would have grown up with. And that's what Catherine is trying to do in this book. But anyway, because so many people are saying, can you buy it online? You can't. You can't go to Amazon uh, and get this. So we're going to, John Paul is going to make contact with Catherine to see if there's any way that maybe they could do an order out service, you know, that pay, it wouldn't, it's a small little book so it wouldn't cost a lot to post a couple of euro I imagine you'd have it stuck in the post. So we'll see if Catherine is willing to do some kind of a system like that where she'll post it out to people. So bear with us on that please because there's a a lot of people interested uh, in that little book. Uh, Thank you by the way for your calls and texts. 1850 333 103. Some other texts coming in I've just heard that an urgent, listen to this, an urgent neurosurgical appointment for January has been delayed and will now not go ahead until the end of next year. Isn't that just, that's just unbelievable. I can only imagine how many other patients must be so depressed when they're hearing about delays to appointments. So for now, instead of sitting at home isolating, trying to protect myself, I'm going to start living as best I uh, can. COVID is now the least of my worries. Ah, God help you. Um, and I know it was one of the points that we tried to get across when I spoke with Brenda from the Friendly Call Service in Cork, where she said that they've noticed some of the people they ring have been cocooning since March. They've never come out. Uh, what we're trying to get across to people, because you can come become very isolated and become very reclusive if you, you stay indoors. People can go out. It's just... You need to be careful when you're out and you can go out and you can. The sh- the supermarkets have been fantastic with giving, you know, special hours for older people and you can find times of the day where the, the shops are not as busy and as I keep saying to people, if you go into a shop and it is very busy, just leave and come back at another time. So, yeah, I would say to people, you know, don't cocoon. I know people hate that word, but do your best to, to get out there and to go out and about, but to look after yourself, just be mindful of yourself and wear your mask and the hand hygiene and all of that and everything that goes with it. Uh, we wish you good health. 1850 John is worried about this new strain that we now seeing is in England, uh, in particularly around London and that southeast area of England where they have, I think they've had a thousand cases identified in that little air, that particular area of England and the U- people in the, the the doctors in the UK and the NHS in the UK are very worried about it, but it's a new strain of COVID-19 and it spreads much more rapidly than the strain we're dealing with at the moment. And there's the worry of, will it land? It doesn't seem to be in Ireland at the moment, but people are worried about it now with so close to Christmas and if people are going to travel home for Christmas. John says it doesn't look good, does it, with this new strain of the virus on the way. I think it's time for the government to act. We need to stop all people coming into this country. This will be in the nail in the coffin for us. You wait and see. It will come um, while our government uh, are asleep with Brexit. Well, I don't know if they're asleep with Brexit. They're doing their very best to try and Trying, um, even though they 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 can do as much negotiation, but they're not 
at the actual table where Boris Johnson is at the moment trying to get Brexit sorted but I know the point you're making they're so worried about Brexit at the moment is there a danger that this could come in through the uh, back door somebody else is making the same point I don't know if it was uh, why WhatsApp or somebody was saying that we need to if I can find it here John John and Mallow was on thank you John for your call saying there now really is a need to stop the boats and the planes we simply need to lock down this country we need to stop people coming in to the country John is more worried about the ferries that will arrive because he reckons more people are using ferries and flying into the country if this new strain of the virus does arrive it will hamper things further for us and John makes the point if this was New Zealand or Australia and they and they're obviously hearing about this new strain as well. They simply would stop people from travelling. Why can't we do it here? Well, that's exactly what New Zealand and Australia are doing, and that's why New Zealand and Australia have opened back up, and people in those countries are living almost as normal a life. The only thing they can't do is they can't leave the country, and nobody can come and visit them. They're not allowing anybody in. They have literally locked themselves down, but they have proven by locking themselves down as island nations that they can get rid of and get to almost zero COVID-19 uh, figures. But we've we've never gone down that route. And, and as I said at the outset, when I mentioned about this new strain, uh, a senior government source saying that increasing travel restrictions for passengers travelling from Britain is not being considered at this time. But I certainly can see from some of the calls and texts we're getting in that a lot of our listeners are feeling that maybe that's what the government need to do. And I know it's very close to Christmas and people have flights and ferries ferries booked, but some are saying maybe the time has come, particularly with this new strain, to lock the country down and not allow any flights in 1850 Your thoughts are welcomed. And on the school in Clare Morris, Eileen and Clan texting us about that, saying the board... Abo- this is... This is a fair point. Eileen and Clan says a board of management can decide to close a school if the electricity, the water or the heating is switched off for whatever reason is not working. And they can do that without question or query. Department of Education won't get involved. Board of management decision. Electricity isn't working. The children need to go home. Yes, says Eileen. If there's a highly infectious virus in a school, and the board decides because 10% of the school population has this highly infectious desi- infectious virus and the board make, board make the decision to close it. They are then made fools of for protecting the children from illness by being told by the Department of Education that they must reopen. What a blackguarding of the board and of the principal by the Department of Ed and the public. No doubt he, no doubt he is considering his position and I can understand why he would be, says Eileen Inclan. I fully support him and the board. What they were trying to do at the end of the day was to protect children from this uh, virus. Uh, and Liz uh, says the headmaster was 100% correct. There's a lot of people, I have to say, a lot of people coming out in favour and in defence of the board of Management and of the Principal in saying the right thing to do. And a couple of mentions to some things that are happening that have come in by text. Hi Patricia, all roads will lead to Theo Park, Labamalaga, next Sunday, the tw- it's next Sunday the 20th of December it is, for a big Christmas drive-in. Bingo! It starts at half past two. If you are going along, please wear a mask and they want to wish all of their patrons a very happy Christmas and a happy New Year. And that's from Theo, from Theo uh, Park. So that if you want to go for bingo, drive-in bingo next Sunday at half past two. 
and Ellie Marie O'Dwyer is doing a Facebook Live concert from Canturk Hospital Chapel on Friday night next at 8 o'clock. Our special guest on the night will be the Shandrum Cayley Band leader, Alan Finn. We've spoken with Alan on this programme before. The concert can be heard by tuning into Ellie Marie O'Dwyer Music Facebook page. The concert is free, but they will be asking people if they want to make donations through a PayPal that they've set up for Canturk Hospital. That's nice, but if you want to watch that concert, you need to go to the Ella Marie O'Dwyer Music Facebook page. And please note that the concert is on at 8 o'clock on Friday night. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie. Mitchellstown Lions Club, they are appealing for donations through their GoFundMe Christmas food appeal. You can also drop a donation into their collection bucket in Mitchellstown Credit Union. All monies raised are distributed by way of food vouchers to families in need in the Mitchellstown area. Can Talk, the support group for adults affected by cancer in any way. They have moved their services online with support meetings every Tuesday evening at half past seven. Attendance is free and tonight's meeting is Cancer Bereavement Community Group. Further details uh, by going online to cantalk.ie. This year, Michael and Chrissy O'Mahony in Kilbarry West in Dunmanway are donating the proceeds of their Christmas lights to the West Cork Rapid Response and Co-Action in Dunmanway and their lights, their houses lit up every evening from now right across. Uh, Christmas. And Kildallery Community Development, their weekly lottery draw will be on on Thursday, 4 o'clock in the community centre with a jackpot of €1,600 and tickets are available locally. Cork today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. And thank you to Mary who lives in the city. She's responded to the interview I did with uh, Brenda Barry earlier about the call-friendly service that that runs in the city. Uh, Mary's in her 60s, lives alone, no family here in Ireland and uh, she suffers with some health conditions and there's a lady in the call-friendly service she said without her, she says, I'll be in a straitjacket by now. It's the same lady, rings her all the time, every single day and now they've got to know each other so well, they know stuff about each other's uh, families and about each other's lives and she said they've built up uh, relationship and she said it is a fantastic service. She'd love to be able to give her something for Christmas but they don't, you know, they don't give details uh, of the people. I, uh, I would say if you get on, get on to the call friendly service and see she was, Mary said she'd love to give her flowers or something just to say uh, thank you but I know all those volunteers will probably say we don't want anything we're doing it just to help people but it's kind of you to even think that you would like to uh, give her something. Maybe get on to the service itself and see if there is a way you could send something in knowing it would go to the lady that you've built up the relationship now, Bridget's in Donora and she's contacted the programme. Good morning to you, Bridget. Morning. morning. Um, now, we've been talking about what's going on in the UK at the moment and the fact that they've got this new strain of uh, COVID-19 and people are afraid about people from that area around the southeast and around London. People are fearful of them coming over for Christmas. You're in the other... You were going the other way. You were due to go. We were, yeah, we were... Well, we were booked for Easter and then we couldn't go at Easter. And then we transferred our flights to to Christmas. Okay. But we made a choice there a, a couple of weeks ago, like we're not going. It's just we wouldn't be like. And it's it's my husband's um, dad that we'd be going over to see, and he's eighty one. Yet we, we we actually haven't been over there since last Christmas. And you you go a couple of times a year, obviously. Yeah, we go. We usually go at Easter. Um, we go to June weekend. We go to August weekend, and we'd go to October weekend. Oh, you go a lot. Oh, you, we do. Yeah, because I mean. 
like uh, they've moved over here so like uh, it's only fair like, yeah. we've been going over there for the last 18 years and his his dad is living in it's in Kent in Kent yeah and you, you made the decision even before this news broke about this new strain oh god we made it uh, we made it at the beginning of November why oh well I, I'd be petrified of flying would no. you I'd be just you know like his dad is 81 like you don't want to take anything over there how did his dad receive the news that you wouldn't be coming for Christmas? Uh, that's why we made the decision. Uh, he was very good about it, really, because, like, he was worried as well, like, that we, we, we'd pick something up from him or, no, he's, he keeps himself and everything. But, um, well, we can Skype him, which is, um, we Skype him every, well, my husband rings him every night and then we Skype him twice a week. All oh, right, OK. And how is he doing in Kent? Is he great. living? Yeah, is he's it... doing great, like, and he looks great. So Does he good? Is he on his own? He's there. Oh, yeah, uh, Dave's mum died four years ago, which is sad as well. Like, oh, that, and will there be anybody with him for Christmas? Um, not this Christmas. No. no. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, that's that. That is tough. Yeah. He, has he has he had any word yet that he's in line for the vaccine? Uh, well, he hasn't been called yet, but he, I'd say he will be called. Yeah, yeah he will. He's that age, like so. He will. He yeah. will. He and will. He, and he is going to take it. Good. Good. Yeah. I heard actually our own Johnny Giles is living in England. He got the call uh, today. Oh right. Uh, he's, yeah. he's been called yeah. next week, and I know I I I know of a family member who would be in his eighties. He uh, today actually he's going today for for the vaccine. Oh good. Yeah. So they are yeah. starting to call people out. So so your your father-in-law will get it. Oh definitely. But, but it's it's a tough decision to make but you're happy that you made the decision I'd say oh, Bridget are you? Yeah we are because like you know it's like we, we, we would hate if anything happened to him like but for, for no we're very good like we 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 don't go out or anything we yeah. haven't been to restaurants or anything but you know it's just you don't know you could pick it up from the plane you could you could pick it up from the train no he was going to pick us up from the we weren't going to get any tubes or trains or anything he was going to pick us up from Stansted. And it's the only bl- flight that's going into, that's leaving Cork. They, they've cancelled them all, bad effing. Which means you don't get a refund. Oh, no, we won't get a yeah, refund. Which is, which is annoying. Which yeah. Is, which is annoying. But, um, yeah, and you would never forgive yourself, Bridget, if, if God forbid, something happened and you brought COVID to his oh, doorstep. God, no. You'd no, never forgive no, yourself. No, no, ne- you no, never would. No. Listen, please God, there'll be many more Christmases. Oh, well, this is what we said. Like, I mean... Uh, we will Skype him on, on Christmas Day. We'll Skype him all over Christmas. You That's will. only a child can uh, just do a month here in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and come here, your first Christmas in Ireland in 18 years. Yeah, yeah. Now, we usually do the Irish Christmas, which we're doing it this weekend with my family. Uh, yeah. We usually do um, an, Irish, an Irish Christmas dinner. We were supposed to do it last week, but because we can't leave the county, yeah. we're doing it next week because my daughter lives in, in Watford. Well done, you're really sticking to all the... Yeah. All the no, we, we actually haven't seen them. Well, we can Skype them as well. We haven't seen them now in nearly three months. So, so it'll, it'll, be, it'll be good this weekend. And your plans for Christmas Day then? Oh, the, just the two of us now. Maybe. We're just going to cook. Well, there's uh, two of our friends that uh, we kind of know of. So uh, we're going to get... We, we're not going to invite them here. But we're just going to give them a meal on Christmas Day. Ah, you have a good heart. You have a yeah. good heart. And you know you'll have a lovely Christmas. It'll oh, be yeah, different, yeah. but we're you'll right. have a lovely Christmas. Yeah. Okay, we, stay. We, we're after getting uh, getting jigsaws anyway, so we're just sitting down doing jigsaws. <laughs> Come here, stay safe and have yeah, a have right. a good Thanks one, Bridget. Million. Thanks a million. Okay. And I'd say Bridget's not on her own. There are many other people would have had plans like that, making the decision uh, not uh, to travel. And I'm also wondering now that this news has broken 
in the UK of this new strain of COVID-19. I wonder, will there be people like Bridget who had flights arranged? I'm wondering, will some make the decision not to travel? Will there be phone calls being made this week very close to the date of travelling? I have a funny feeling people may cancel their plans and decide they will be better off uh, staying at home because I said to Bridget, you would never live with the guilt if that's the Christmas present that you pass on to a loved one and if a loved one passed away because of it, that's a dreadful... Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Guilt to have to live with it. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Joe Heffernan joins us uh, from Bohorbui. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And we're on the countdown to Christmas now oh, yeah. and it certainly is going to be a different Christmas, I think, for a lot of people. But, yeah. we'll, you know something, I think we'll look back and say, wasn't it a lovely Christmas? It's one day. Hopefully. It's one day. It's one day and people yeah. need to keep that in yeah. mind yeah. Uh, as well. OK, yeah. we, we want to, uh, this week and next week, obviously, we're talking about the, the lead into Christmas and the do's and the don'ts and the rights and, and the wrongs. And just firstly, because I was contacted by a lady last week and we just didn't get around to it and I mentioned it on the when I was on to the friendly call service from Cork this morning um, an, an elderly lady doing really well looking after herself and being very careful uh, her family are expecting her to go to what she thinks is a big she feels is, is a big family event there will be about 10 at the table in the other house where she's been invited to she doesn't want to insult anyone but she said she's happier to stay on her own she's feeling a bit pressurised and doesn't want to insult anyone People need to be very careful, don't they, around expectations this Christmas? They do indeed. And I suppose the main thing, the number one thing is safety and um, to do all we can to be safe. Um, you know, uh, maybe if her fears are put to her or her preferences are put to the other members of the family that perhaps there could be a compromise that, you know, that, uh, that they could come and uh, uh, in small numbers um, uh, be to, uh, a little bit on Christmas Day, a little bit on Christmas Eve, a little bit on St. Stephen's Day. I mean, if she's not happy and if she's going to be uptight and that, that um, 
uh, if it's put in a you know in a in a reasonable way to say look I'd be scared and I don't want to either um, bring a problem or come away with a problem um, and uh, I, I I hope that she would understand me and we'll talk about this. Yeah, and somebody, as as Friendly Cork said, somebody dropped the dinner over to her and just, you know, just just be mindful of the way some people are feeling and respect somebody's wishes. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, um, and, and we'll yeah. touch on this, I know, in more detail um, next week. We know our, our final one is normally around the do's and the don'ts and the expectations on Christmas. But today we want to focus on um, shared parenting because, uh, you know, obviously th- there are many, many families uh, today who co-parent, don't live together for whatever reason, relationships yeah. uh, break up and Christmas can be stressful for everybody. But I suppose the message w- that you will want to get across today is this needs to be all about the children, doesn't it, when it, does. it comes to Christmas? It does. Just like that government paper that came out, etc., like um, to use that as kind of the guideline, children first. Um, yeah. Now, whether a breakup was hopefully amicable and reasonable. Rare. Yes. That is rare. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately. Or, well, and even if it was, uh, you know, quite contentious, um, the first thing that needs to be done anyway at the moment is to make a plan. To plan now. Um, what are we going to do? Let's be absolutely clear. Okay, so having made a plan then, and once it's agreed, to, to stick to it. And for the adults to make the plan, rather than burdening the children with uh, making decisions that they shouldn't be asked to make. So you say don't ask the children to decide. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely, because that's just putting pressure on them and uh, it might suggest that they're being asked to make a preference, which would be wrong. Yeah. So make a, make a plan uh, put it to the children and um and and uh, and make it work in a very pleasant way for example um staggering the christmas arrangements uh, what i mean by that is say the children could spend say a christmas eve with one parent and christmas day or saint stephen's day with the other and then the following year to swap that around mm. um so as that everyone is being fair and everyone is uh, doing the best they can to make Christmas as uh, pleasant as possible um, for everyone concerned. This year, just like the the um, question that you put there earlier, this year is different. Um, you know, there are so many things to take into consideration, like even um, uh, numbers and arrangements, um, you know, in in our own case, um, we'll be we used to be six, then we were five, and now this Christmas Day we'll be four. Um, two of the lads are married; they'll be with their own families. One of them will be over seven thousand kilometres away, out in Cayman, and um, and the other uh, married couple will be in Cork City, and that's the way it should be. Mm. Um, you know, so we 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 certainly <laughs> we won't be swamped with numbers anyway. 
Um, yeah, so but I'm so, looking so, forward to it big yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. So make the decision and as you say, you can then say to the children, this is what's happening this year. You're going to be with Mammy on Christmas Day, Daddy on Christmas Eve and then next year you can spend the day with Daddy on Christmas Day and Mammy on, on Christmas Eve but let the children know because I remember speaking with um, a, a friend of mine and when she was growing up her parents had uh, separated and it used to be half of Christmas Day was at the mother's house and half of Christmas Day was at the father's house but because of that they were as as there were three and the three children they were expected to sit down to two Christmas dinners and she said it actually ruined Christmas Day because okay. Christmas dinner is so big anyway yeah. and she'd have the first one in the mother's house and then they'd go to the father's house and granny yeah. was involved and another big Christmas dinner didn't want to insult anyone she said all she remembers was feeling nauseous all Christmas Day because right. it was just these so you need to be careful about that as well and, yeah. and yeah. then the, the other one I think and this can happen with uh, shared parenting don't compete with presents yeah yeah, not to compete with the presence that, um, you know, don't try to outdo, as it were, the other parent. Um, one person might be financially better off than the other. Um, one person might be under pressure. The other person might uh, not be in the financial sense. So it's not fair and it's not right to compete. And, um, you, you know, I... I, I I I don't know really, but um, uh, I'd imagine the children would be uh, not impressed with um, you know with one parent outdoing the other present wise. I mean, what the what the children need is a sense of safety, security, and love, and um, and that doesn't cost anything, thankfully, and 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 that's where the real uh, value would be on the uh, on the Christmas uh, for the children. So um, So decide yeah. in advance what the children are getting and of course this is all age appropriate because you can exactly. have smaller well, children that Santa Claus can do whatever Santa yeah. wants to do. Yeah. And that's a different thing altogether. But decide in advance and then who's buying what? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly because the last thing you want anyway is that um is is um uh, if if the children wanted, oh, I don't know, um, uh, right, what, uh, a PlayStation, um, they certainly don't want two of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, Betty yeah. says, please get Joe to uh, speak about grandparents and how difficult when, when children separate, how different yeah. it can be on the grandparents trying yes. to visit the grandchildren. Yes. And um, to, to definitely uh, have the grandparents in mind for Christmas and, um, you know, to to put them uh, on the priority list um, because, uh, well, especially this Christmas, um, older people can be feeling quite a bit um, uh, lonely um, with all this um, cocooning and all this, um, uh, you know, um, uh, being uh, in the vulnerable category and all that um, is... yeah, it, it has a big effect. I mean, a lot of older people see, I don't even include myself in that cohort, <laughs> which is a bit deft at 74. You're, you're young at heart and uh, that's, exactly. what, that's what you yeah, need to be. Yeah. But that well, does happen, Joe, when parents separate. There can be grandparent alienation of children. There can. There can. And that's and not very, fair. very, very unfortunate. Yeah. And um, again, if the children are put first, like... What what we have to do as adults in that situation is we have to get over ourselves and kind of see beyond ourselves. 
and even if we are not going to be full of the joys of Christmas when we uh, b- bring the children to uh, ABC, wherever uh, the grandparent or the other uh, parent, um, you know, to remember that um, we don't want to be uh, imparting uh, uh, feelings of uh, stress and um, uh, bad friendship uh, to them. They, they deserve better. And um, uh, to not involve them in in whatever has happened. Okay, adults fall out. And, you know, marriages and partnerships do end. But that needn't be the end of the world. Um, uh, for many people, um, it can be a release from a situation that was, um, for them, uh, intolerable, maybe. And uh, uh, f- fair enough. But, like... The children um, were not uh, involved in any of uh, that um, uh, argument or whatever the right word is. They're not so, the reason for the breakup. Oh, they should, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And make the make the best of the time with the children. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and we'll go through a few do's and don'ts in a minute. But one of those would be like, don't be too inquisitive are too critical, definitely not, of the other parent. Um, you know, the, the the whole idea of Christmas is the togetherness um, uh, with the children, the children being happy, the children, if you know, looking forward to Santi, and all of that excitement that we all remember so well. And that's the way it should be. And uh, to upset that is not a good thing. Definitely not a good thing. And it's not going to make anyone feel better after Christmas. It certainly is not. So, yeah, to make the best of the time with the children, make it happy, make it enjoyable, you know. Um, uh, And the uh, afterwards, then, uh, a person will feel better. Yeah. And be able to say, we did our best. We gave them a great old Christmas. And, uh, you know, we can give ourselves a pat on the back. And you're building wonderful memories for the children that they'll carry with them for life. So you have the do's and the don'ts. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, as I was saying there, and and as we both agreed with those points, and then to be flexible. If somebody is to be over to you at um, uh, 2pm, and if it's 2.15, not to have a a blow-up about that, to, you know... Be, be now within reason. Yeah. Be, be, be flexible because the other side of that is: do have the children ready on time, and do have the children where they're supposed to be, uh, as agreed on time. Um, in other words, like put the children's needs absolutely on top. And the other thing would be to allow for different house rules. I mean, you know, maybe some houses are. Uh, tidy, 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 and that that is um, a big um, uh, issue for the parent there. And maybe the other house is a little bit more laid back. But to try and, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe say to the children that, you know, um, uh, Granny likes to have everything now kind of in its, in its right place. So um, don't let's wreck the joint lads this Christmas. Do you know that kind mm. of thing? Yeah, yeah. 
And then, you know, it would be so horrible on a Christmas. Don't argue in front of the children. Don't disappoint them. Um, uh, and and uh, especially don't cause a load of stress by being late. Because being late might mean a stern look or, a, or worse still, a stern word from the parent who's been waiting. So to avoid that, like, do be uh, on time. You know, relatively on time. Yeah. And don't quiz the children, like, what did what did dad say, such a thing. Why, don't, don't do that. And yeah, what, what did what did mum or dad buy and then making a joke about is that all you got? You oh, know, don't, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, but then the flip side as well, Joe, is don't give the children too much power. No, indeed. No, indeed. Because children are, you know, well able to play one against the other. And um, to kind of realise that, to even be slightly amused by it, rather than, um, you know, um, uh, if they say jump, did you say how high? That within reason that you, um, you, you, you don't want them completely running the show either. That um, the adults are adult and the children are children. And, and to remember that, um, because, um, you know, kids are... They're, they're very clever yeah. and, um, and they, they might play one off against the other. They like. might manipulate a situation yeah. and if you've got older, like teenagers, you know, they, oh, yeah. they can play the game well. So, yeah. you, so, yeah. you, so you do need to, to, to be careful. I think, uh, let's go back to where we started and I think the best piece of advice is to make the plan and stick to the plan. Absolutely. Yeah. Make the plan and stick to the plan and give presents according to your means but remember that the greatest present you can give them is a pleasant and happy Christmas with a lot of love. That's the biggest gift that one can get. And on that positive note, we'll leave it. We'll talk again next week, Joe. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohabui. His number is 029-766-17. And we'll talk more next week on the programme with Joe about how to deal with uh, Christmas. We normally deal with uh, bereavement around Christmas. But I am very conscious of what we mentioned earlier of some older people who, and we've had some more people contacted us uh, as well, who've been invited to go to the big family do that they normally go to every year. And for this year, some older people are just a little bit nervous about it. Some are more than happy to go and are looking forward to it or are looking forward to having a big family around the Christmas table and can't wait for it. But just be aware that there are some people nobody wants to be insulted, nobody wants to hurt anyone. But if you're picking up that vibe from an older person that they would rather a quiet Christmas and a safe Christmas and they'd rather not put themselves in a situation where they could possibly pick up COVID-19. We all need to respect those decisions as well and we'll talk about that as I say and a lot more with uh, Joe again uh, next week. But that's where I have to wrap it up for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara for working on the programme today. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock for another edition of uh, the programme. Until then, I'm Patricia Messon have a very good afternoon. Look after yourself and more importantly, stay safe. Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.